lives were far from normal after they encountered Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? I, I suppose you have in some, some ways, but I want to kind of give some uh, focus to that today. I mean, it was almost like because of the coming of Jesus into their lives, into this world, but into the lives of the biblical characters themselves, there was dramatic and unexpected change experienced in their lives. And I'm going to read just four short passages of Scripture, and then we'll refer back to them as we go. And I just want you to listen to the, to the experience in part. It's, it's not the whole story of any one biblical character, but the experience of what they had and their response to what they heard, what they experienced. So Luke chapter 1, 34 to 38 says this. Mary asking the angel after she has been told about her opportunity to carry the Son of God. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. But oh, this one, Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 24, uh, the Joseph encounter. So Joseph has been told about what is happening in Mary and how the child is the son of God, what he should do. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, son of Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Next one, story of the shepherds, Matthew 2, 9 to 11. Story of the wise men. After they had heard the king, they had visited King Herod, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then lastly, the shepherds. Having heard the angelic chorus, being told about what was taking place, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What I want to suggest to you today, my friends, is that when Jesus came into the lives of these people, <laughs> everything changed. When they encountered this reality, when, when they came to this place of, of recognizing who Jesus was and having been told about him, their lives were dramatically changed. I want you to think about Mary and Joseph. Message, of course, came through the angel. Um, and, and that message spoke about what was going to happen. And the reality is that after that message was given, everything did change in their lives. Any plan that they had, you know, get a job, get married, have children, fill up the house with stuff, gone. It was no more. 
You know, all of a sudden, they were dealing with pregnancy. Young people, not yet married. We don't know about their relationships, you know, with parents and with siblings and with friends, but it couldn't have been all good. Did some relations, relationships just cease? And then in time, of course, they had to leave, leave home. They had to run away as quickly and as hard as they could to Egypt, and they became refugees. It's like, where did that come from? Refugees? Considering the plan that they once had. And quite frankly, they spent the rest of their lives being the parents of Jesus, the Son of God. Talk about an unexpected reality. That's not normal compared to what might have been otherwise. Think about the wise men. They're, they're in the east, of course. They're, they're astronomers. They're studying the stars, but they're also astrologers, and they're making predictions from the stars. They see this star, and, 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 and they, they, they spend probably a couple of years seeking and, and ultimately finding Jesus, and then become, becoming worshipers of his you know, the day-to-day -day life that they had known was just kind of blown out of the water. It was no more. Not normal. Look at the shepherds. Look at the shepherds. Um, I wonder after they encountered the angel and heard the good news, and after they visited Jesus, whether their life was ever the same again. What do you think? We don't really know a lot about the shepherds after the fact, other than the fact that they became the world's first evangelists. Isn't that remarkable? They were the first people to tell other people about Jesus. And I want to suggest to you, although it's conjecture, it's likely they didn't stop talking about what they had encountered. The, for the arrival of Jesus, <laughs> for these people and for others, it was like dropping a bomb in the middle of their lives and exploding everything that had been, everything that they had known. All the, what was normal, what was expected was gone. And it didn't stop with, with these folks. We're going to focus on them this morning. But think about Peter and James and John, people who were fishermen, people who made their living day in and day out doing the normal thing in life. All of a sudden, they're going to seminary and becoming students of the rabbi, which is essentially what it was. And then they became preachers, and they became pastors, and they became martyrs in the end. Think of Matthew no longer collecting taxes now following after Christ. Think of Simon. We'd now call him a terrorist. But all that was done. And now he'd become religious and he was learning from Jesus. And I could go on and on and on and on today. But the point is that very simply this. With the birth of Jesus, with the encounter that Jesus had himself, everything changed. Jesus brought radical change into people's lives. It wasn't slight. It wasn't moderate. It was dramatic. And I want us to think this morning about Jesus coming into a person's life and becoming a powerful disruptive force. What do you think about that? A powerful disruptive force. Radically reorienting their lives around himself. I thought, why? <laughs> How did this happen? I think it happened because Jesus became central to their experience. Not somebody that they sort of added on to the direction that they were taking. All of a sudden, he was their focus. He was their purpose. He was their primary reality in life. And everything changed as a result. See, Mary and Joseph, think about it again. They had to parent God. Like, think about it. 
if, if you were either Mary or Joseph and you had to parent God, I think that would become a pretty big deal in your life. Your life would center around that reality. They had to feed him and they had to clothe him and they had to, to, to guide him through life. They had to love him. He became their central reality and dramatic change became of it. And again, the disciples, not our focus today, but man, not only did they have to leave home, they had to, to leave their careers. Their purpose was no longer their business. They had to learn from this one who was a preacher that they might become preachers themselves, that they might become pastors, that they might become the leaders of a movement that would ultimately change their world. Jesus disrupted many, many, many lives. And this happened, I think, because of two simple realities. Number one, all of these people heard from God. Back to the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, had the angel of God come and bring the message of God straight into their lives. They heard the word of God clearly and profoundly. The wise men, we believe they had the scriptures, even though they lived far to the east of Jerusalem because of David, uh, sorry, Daniel and the exile, which had happened so long in the, in the past in, in Israel's history. They had this prophecy of a star. They had the word of God. When they saw it, they traveled. So people, number one, they heard from God. They heard his word. Number two, all of them encountered Christ. They saw him. They were with him. He was in their experience. Listen, no one who heard God speak and encountered the person of Jesus had a normal life anymore. And I hope you're beginning to think already, what does this mean for me? Because this, I think, is the biblical reality. It's just, to me, it's, 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 it's just shouting this year, as I look at the story, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for 2019? It's two days away. We're almost there. And I, and I guess I, I want to ask the question, if indeed we have heard from God, if indeed we have encountered the reality of the living Christ in our lives, how will he become the great disruptor in our lives? And will we let him? You know, how, how will he reorient our lives? How will he bring dramatic change? Here's what I know about me when I consider that possibility, and I think probably it's true for a lot of other people. We are not crazy about anybody disrupting and reorienting our lives. I think that's human nature. It's normal. We prefer things to stay the same. We prefer, prefer things to stay as they have been planned. We want to live the dreams that we have dreamed. It's like we've got this trajectory in life and we don't want bumped off our trajectory. So what happens when a lot of people come to faith, one way or the other, however they get to that place where they come to believe in Jesus with all of their heart and they open their lives to him and he becomes not only their savior but their Lord. Instead of putting Jesus at the center of their life as did a Mary and Joseph, for example, we add him on to our lives and onto our trajectory that has been previously established. He's there, and we're wel we welcome him into our lives. We want him to be part of our lives so that he might help us on the journey that we have established. Lord Jesus, come into my life and bless me. Help me to find the right job. Help me to find the right marriage partner. Help me to get a mortgage. <laughs> Help me to retire well. Help me to get to heaven someday. But it is, I think, so natural and so easy to have Jesus come along 
to help us in our trajectory that we don't allow him to radically disrupt our lives and provide a new trajectory to us, which is exactly what he did for these people. See, if this indeed is the best biblical messages, message to us today, Jesus coming into our lives is to take us from our nor normal life into something very, very different. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? You know, this past year, 2018, has been the year of the Bible. I couldn't fail to mention that today. And a year or so ago now, I, I said this to everybody, and, and, and the challenge was we have got to get to know the Bible at a deeper level. And I challenged everybody here, let's read the Bible every single day. And if that has happened in your experience, I'd love to know about it. I, I imagine many of us have done that. And we embraced the story uh, campaign in September. It's sort of extending that focus, which is a wonderful thing. And, but the challenge has been given to study the Bible deeply so that as you go deep into Scripture, you'll encounter the reality of Christ in new and profound ways, and he will change us, not only as a church, but as individuals. See, we have had this opportunity to not only to hear from God, but to encounter Christ. And my question is, through this year of the Bible, have we been bumped from our trajectory at all? Or are we living the same way? Because you see, this story tells us that God had a different plan for Mary. And God had a different plan for Joseph. And God had a different plan for the wise men. And God had a different plan for the shepherds. And my friends, I want to tell you, God likely has a different plan for everyone here. For a different purpose, a different focus, a different passion a different priority. You know what I want to do over the, the next few minutes is very simply talk to you about some radical disorienting ideas based in the lives of these people. And I want to see if it's the possibilities start to emerge in your mind about what Jesus the Lord might want for you that you might live differently. Think about Think about Mary. May it be to me as you have said. It's the traditional way that that response is interpreted. Essentially what she did when the Lord came to her with a task for her to perform is that she said, okay, I will submit my will to yours. I will do what you want me to do. It's an incredible and beautiful and remarkable thing. What area of your life right now has God asked you to enter into so that you might submit to him? Is there anything? Is it there? Let me say this. Everything I'm about to say is premised on the idea that you, on a regular and an ongoing basis, hear from God. He speaks to you by his spirit, whether it be through somebody on a Sunday morning or you sitting with your Bible at home and you open your mind and your heart to him in prayer, but you are encountering the living God and he is speaking his will into your life and that you have encountered the, rea the real presence of Jesus in your life. You have, you have met him. You have received him as Savior and as Lord. He is a real and living person to you. So much so that you have been changed by him. But in that light, can I ask this question? What is it today that he is asking you to submit to in terms of his will? Is there anything? For example... Could it be that the Lord is asking somebody here to serve in our downtown ministry? 
people who live on the street, some of them, people who struggle with addictions, people who have all kinds of, of loneliness in their lives, people who are really hurting. Response by me, but Chris, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really comfortable with that kind of person. Like, I've never really engaged those people before, and I, I think I'd be afraid, and I wouldn't know what to say. It would be really uncomfortable. Yeah? You think Mary had ever been pregnant by God before <laughs> and given birth? You see, the reality, my friend, sometimes the, 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 the disruption by Jesus takes us way beyond our comfort zone, but it may be exactly what God is calling us to. How, how about working with young people in youth ministry? The, 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 the typical response is, oh, I cannot relate to young people today. I wouldn't know what to say. They scare me. <laughs> I've had a teenager. I don't need that anymore, right? But I want to say the same sort of thing. The dynamic is if God has called, if God has spoken, if you've encountered Jesus and he's at the center and he has called you to yield your life to him in a calling to do youth ministry, yeah, it's going to disrupt your life. Your schedule is going to have to change. Your priorities are going to have to change. But guess what? That's what happens to people who encounter Jesus and hear the call of God. Speaking of young people, you know, how about those of you who are getting ready to go off to college or university and you're, you're planning your trajectory? It's beginning to fall into place. You're figuring out what you want to be and how you want life to become. What about the idea of in taking a year and go, go with YWAM and be trained biblically for three or four months and then go off in the mission field somewhere around the world? A lot of our young people have done it and it's been a profound and positive impact in their lives is that what Jesus is calling you to? Or are you just going to do this because this is what everybody does? This is normal. What about going to a Christian university or a Bible college for one year, get that solid foundation in biblical knowledge, which you probably don't have right now, and let that be the foundation for everything else that is to come before you go off to be trained and go to university and face the challenges that are there? What about the idea of maybe recognizing this trajectory that you have in mind isn't the trajectory that you want? Maybe God wants you to be a missionary. To tell others like the shepherds that Jesus has come and there is life in him. You know what's probably happening right now? A lot of parents thinking, oh, Chris, don't tell my kid to become a missionary. I don't want him to go far away. I don't want her to be in a foreign land. I don't like that idea. It's not normal. It's not comfortable. That would be radical. I want to tell you, my friends, if that's God's will for your kid, you better support that like nothing else. Let me push the button a little bit farther. What if the call is not coming to your child but to you? Because Peter, James, and John, and many others stepped away from their safe, secure employment to embrace something entirely different to build the kingdom of God. Could it be that mom and dad could be called into the mission field? You'll remember Joe and Denise Griffin who were in church with us for many years and had a profound encounter with Jesus. It grew tremendously and one day they heard this unmistakable call from God and, they, and God said, go to Alberta and they went. They weren't even sure why, they just knew they had to go there and he led them directly to serve the, uh, uh, an indigenous first nation called the Blood Tribe in southern Alberta. That's what they're doing right now. And they've taken huge steps of faith, like dramatic, radical steps of faith 
And they're right now sharing Jesus with people who are far from him. Right now they're helping people who are struggling with addictions and, and going through detox programs and so forth. They are being the presence of Christ in this world. They're bringing the kingdom of God because they simply encountered Jesus and they heard the voice of God and they said yes. Radical? Yes. But clearly what God wants, wanted for them and wants for them. So like Mary, are we willing to submit? Are we willing to hear and listen and just say, okay, God, that's what you want me to do. I'm in. Even though it might be radical, disorienting, Think about Jesus, uh, Joseph. What do you think about Joseph's response? To me, the, the critical word in the, in the verse that I read to you is that he was commanded to do this by the angel, by God through the angel. And it says that he got up and he went and took Mary as his wife, took her home. The word there is obedience. Obedience. Is there anything for anyone here today that God has told you to do and it's time to do it? How about this? Is it time to deal with that sin in your life that you have not been able to break free from? Here's what I know. Even in a, a community like this with people who love Jesus and who are sincere in their faith, there are a lot of people who struggle with very deep-rooted sin. And very often that sin stays secret until people's worlds fall apart. And all kinds of pain breaks into their experience. Is it time for you to live in obedience to God and do whatever it takes to break free from that sin? And what is that? Well, number one, confess that sin to someone. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> what would they think of me? I want to tell you that's step number one in the journey toward freedom. You get with someone who is trusted and you get with someone who is mature enough in their faith that they can be gracious. You get into the presence of somebody who knows that we all struggle with sin and they're going to love you and accept you anyway and you tell them exactly what you're struggling with. Step number one, take it from the darkness, bring it into the light. As soon as that happens, sin begins to lose its power. Step number two, develop a group of, uh, of accountability. Or if you're a guy, you get two or three guys. Or if you're a woman, you get two or three women and you sit them down and say, this is where I'm at and I cannot deal with this on my own. I am not powerful enough. I am not able. I need you to pray for me. But more than that, I need to be accountable to you. I need you to ask me on a regular basis how I am doing in this specific area of sin. Because that will make a difference in you breaking free. It's a powerful means of the body of Christ ministering uh, within itself. And what about this? How about taking the healing care process that we're just sort of about to un unveil in a more open way because that process helps people deal with the deep wounds in their, at the, in their souls which for the most part causes people to be stuck in sin. You can find healing. You can break free. I know that's a mouthful and I know that's radical but guess what people? <laughs> Meet Jesus, hear the call of Christ in your life. Radical things are intended to happen. Reorienting things are intended to happen. How about this one? Anybody here need to leave an ungodly relationship because it's ungodly? Oh, I love this one. As I say with a smile on my face, how about some folks who sit at the back of the church start to sit at the front of the church? 
Remember Joyce Vanderspeck a few weeks ago? Let's leave those back seats. I'm not looking back there. Let's leave those back seats open so that people who are seekers and want to come to the church will have easy access to a seat and not find themselves feeling uncomfortable walking to the front because they always come at the last minute, right? And we leave seats available at the back so that, so that people can sit down and they can hear about Jesus and their eternity can be changed. It's not, oh, I couldn't sit at the front. I couldn't see who's here on a Sunday morning. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable in front of... Yes, you can do it. Is it disorienting? Is it radical, potentially? Is it uncomfortable? Probably. But we got to get away from this idea that following Jesus means that we have this nice, safe, comfortable little life that we just do what we've always planned on doing. We never actually change anything, certainly not in a dramatic way. And that we have Jesus to help us on the journey. No. Jesus comes first. Jesus becomes the central reality of our life, and everything else revolves around him and his word to us, his cause. How about becoming a mentor and passing on your faith? Older men and women of the faith. The Bible says very clearly older women are to teach the younger women. And it, it doesn't say it in such explicit terms, but we have lots of examples. Think of Paul and Timothy, where older men are to pass on the faith to the younger man. Older guys, do you realize that you have a lifetime of experience? You have learned, you have grown, you have gained in wisdom and understanding. You have experienced God in profound ways. And as you have grown into your senior years, your role is to pass all of that information on to a, a lot of younger guys. Think young dads who are doing their best to be a good husband, to be a good dad, but quite frankly, they don't have a clue how because they've never done it before. Maybe they need to break free from sin. <laughs> on and on. And what the, what, the, what the Scripture calls us to, can I say what Jesus calls us to, is to step into that life when God provides that opportunity and just meet maybe once a month over a cup of coffee and answer that young guy's questions. Young guys, you willing to step into that relationship? Any, anybody willing to get in the, into the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, I need a mentor. I need somebody who is ahead of me in the journey, who knows you better, who knows how to answer the questions that I don't have answers for. And I'd love to sit down over a cup of coffee and just say, hey, this is where I'm at. Can you help me? What an amazing thing, whether it with men or with women, what ministry God calls us to with one another. Take time, take effort, take focus. God calls you to it, do it. How about the wise man? How about the wise man? We've had Mary in her submission to the will of God. We've had Joseph in his obedience. The wise men, they became people who, who were seekers and worshipers of Jesus. Seekers and worshipers of Jesus. And as I said earlier, we have given ourselves as a church. We want to study the Bible more profoundly. We, we don't want to have a, a superficial knowledge of the Bible anymore. We want to have a deep knowledge of the Bible which will transform people into the likeness of Jesus, having the heart of Jesus and live the life that Jesus lived. I was uh, talking to some of our librarians a few weeks ago and uh, they were, you know, sorting through books. You know, sometimes they do that. They take some and throw it, or get rid of them and bring new ones in and, you know, Send them off to the mission field, actually, is what, what happens to them. And, and, and I found out something that absolutely shocked me. Like, I'm not kidding you. It's this. If you can correct my number, I would appreciate it. But roughly 90% of the books that are lent from our library, 
good enough are Christian fiction books. Now, Christian fiction's okay. I know people who have come to Christ through Christian fiction. It's good stuff. But you know what's not checked out of our library? Books that take people into a deep knowledge of God that allows them to come to a, an intellectual understanding and a spiritual depth that's available to them, to us. You know, my friends, what about taking that seminary course? What about going, you know, online to take that course in biblical studies? What about signing up for Right Now Media? I wish every single family in our church would sign up for Right Now Media. We pay for it every single month, and it's a huge resource for people coming to know and understand Scripture. But we've got to take a hold of it. Oh, Chris, I don't have time for that kind of thing. I'm busy with this and this and this. You know what? Jesus is the great disruptor of life. And he intends your normal life to be disrupted and to be reoriented around him and his will for you. And then these wise men, man, did they come and they gave sacrificial gifts to the Christ child. Let me take a minute with this one. I want to, I want to tell you something. Um, we're coming to the end of our budget year. Huh, actually, tomorrow. Um, and we have had a tremendous response from this congregation financially, and I want to thank you for it. We have taken in more offering, more gifts this year than we ever have as a church. It's fantastic. We made an appeal to you, some of you might remember, in June or so because we were running a little shy, and the congregation just responded in a beautiful way. Um, I see the wise men in that. Now, we're probably about $49,000 away from meeting budget as of this morning before this offering was uh, received. might sound like a lot to you, but when you've got an $815,000 budget, it's not that huge, right? And that number will be reduced this morning. I want to let you know that. I'm going to do something about it. Further, you can. But I want to tell you, it, we have a generous congregation who have a heart, like these people had a heart, because... Our people, I know it, have encountered the Christ and they've heard the call of God and they give sacrificially. Let me say this. Could there be anybody here today? Um, and this year might be the year that they choose to step into tithing. Maybe you haven't submitted to the Lord or even obeyed the Lord in that way prior. Maybe this is your time. But Chris, that's... <laughs> I'd have to totally reorganize all my financial arrangements. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have done that. That's exactly what the Lord wants you to do. Chris, that's really radical. How would I pay my bills? You give to God first, as I've often taught this congregation. You give to him off the top what he asks for, and he will provide to you more than enough because he's a faithful God. And if you haven't encountered that, your faith hasn't benefited in the way that the faith of many people has benefited and grown profoundly because they have seen God at work in their finances. Kind of a radical life that I'm talking about here, isn't it? I mean, take that's a step further. I know people who make a lot of money and they say 10% is not enough. Oof. You know, they can give 20% away and live on 80% incredibly easily because God's blessed them. And you know why they do that? Because they love God and they are passionate about this one named Jesus and he is at the center of their life and they have this deep desire to see the kingdom of God come in power. That's not normal. 
That's way unnormal. This is what happens when people encounter Jesus and he tells them to give more. You see, my friends, Jesus is a disruptor of life. How about the shepherds? Well, is it time to finally let people in your, in your world know that you're a follower of Christ? Is it time to let them know that he has changed your life and that he is real and that you love him? Share the good news like the shepherds once did. How about setting a goal that once per month you will, you will commit to yourself to speaking the faith into the life of another person who probably doesn't know the faith? I don't mean tell your whole story of conversion, but just let them know who you are in Christ because that will open doors to discussions that God can use that might take you to that storytelling. How about taking holiday time and probably next year because we can't go to Nicaragua this year because of violence that's there, but probably in 2020, take holiday time uh, to, to go and, and, and go down there. And in the meantime, all through this coming year, with a team of people, raise the $60,000 or so that we sent to Nicaragua to fund the ministries that are having profound impact on the ground there so that people come to know Christ and are transformed by his word. That would be different. And for some really reor disorienting, reorienting. I heard this, this was a movement some time ago. How about, how about becoming a foster parent? Well, why would I do that? Well, because you bring a child into your home who desperately needs the love of God. <laughs> and you can change the trajectory of that kid's life, whatever it might become. At least God can through you. Well, Chris, that would really, <laughs> that would really change my life. Uh, that would really reorient everything. Yeah, probably. But that's what happens in the lives of people who hear the word of God and encounter the person of Jesus. I could go on and on. I, you know, I um, actually missed one that I wanted to do with the wise men. I'm going to go back to it because I think it's really important. These people became worshipers of Jesus, not only those who gave to him. How about becoming really committed to being in God's presence every Sunday, not just every so often on a Sunday, which has become the norm in our culture and I'm afraid to some degree in our own church. You know, to get committed to the idea of getting into God's presence every single Sunday, not because it's good for me, but because it's good for him. We don't come into God's presence on a Sunday because it's good for us first and foremost. Will it be good for us? Yes. But we get into the presence of God because we need to worship him and we need to thank him and we need to honor him. We get into God's presence for his sake, not our own. And in my opinion, it shouldn't be an optional deal for Christian people who know and love the Lord. My friends, I could go on and on and on, and I could talk about radical stuff, but I'm here to tell you this, and essentially, normal life is not necessarily what God wants for you. Now, let me say that differently. Normal life is not what God wants for you, based on these texts. Jesus wishes to disrupt your life. Jesus wishes to radically reorient the way you live your life. He wishes that he be the, at the center of your experience and that he becomes the one who determines the trajectory based on what he speaks into your life, based on his will. 
for you and for me. So here's the question in 2019. How disrupted, disrupted will your life become? How disrupted will it become? You know, it will become disrupted to the degree that you put Christ at the center, that you give yourself to hearing from God and then doing what it is God has called you to do, whether it be submitting to what he has asked of you, whether it be obeying what he has commanded you to do, whether it, being, whether it be seeking Jesus and worshiping Jesus and giving to the Lord Jesus, whether it be sharing your faith with people, telling them that one has come who is actually the Savior of the world and they need to know him. And I want to challenge you this year that you not live a normal life ever again. See, God has a desire for you and for me, just like Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds, just like Peter and John and Andrew and Saul of Tarsus and the woman at the well and the man born lame and the man who was born blind and I could go on and on and on and on. When people encounter the living Christ, life is changed. And I want to suggest to you, my friends, we can't be content with normal anymore. As I stand here, I realize some of you are living a pretty abnormal life already. Good for you. A lot of you have already taken that step to orient your life around the person of Jesus and his will, not only for you, but for this world. But can I suggest to others who maybe haven't thought so much in these terms, will you go and seek that will for you? Will you purposely listen to the voice of God until you hear him speak into your life and you know what he's calling you to do? And then will you do it? Just act in obedience to the call of God. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have an incredible adventure with God. Think of Mary and Joseph. Think of the stories the wise man told. Think of the shepherds. Think of Peter. Think of Zacchaeus. My goodness. God comes to his people in Christ. God has come to his people in Christ. And he says, let me take hold of your life and let me dramatically <laughs> disrupt it <clears throat> so that through you and through you entering into what I have for you, this world will be transformed in the name and in the power of Jesus. My friends, what will 2019 become for you? I hope not normal. Let's pray. Lord, I, I think of this group of people gathered before you today, many of whom are yours. And I think of the reality that for every single one of us, you have your will, your desire, your command, your wisdom. And you call us, Lord, way beyond normal. That we might live Yes, a disrupted life, but Lord, an incredible life where we find you present and where we get caught up in the will of God and in the work of God as this world is made new in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to pray for every single person here today who claims faith in you.
And I pray that you will speak clearly and loudly into their hearts and minds so that they would know what it is that you are calling them to, just like you called Mary, just like you called Joseph. Lord, let us know. And Lord, I pray for every single person here who knows the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord, and I pray that this will be a year where they, were, where they will over and over and over again encounter Christ, be in his presence, be impacted by him. So much so, Lord, that they live this disrupted life that we've described today this dramatically reoriented life as they are called into the purposes for which you have created them. And God, I pray as we go forward into this year, this will be a year where you work profoundly through this church. Profoundly, Lord. Where you are worshipped. Where people give, Lord. Where, where, where people hear the message of Jesus and not just through the pastor where people submit their lives to you, where people live in obedience to you just because Christ has been put at the center and we are living for him. Lord, we'll need grace and we'll need discernment and we'll need wisdom and we'll need courage. And for those things, our God, we pray today. But Lord, we're before you and we're inviting you to speak. We're inviting you, Lord, to disrupt our lives and then to use us to accomplish your purposes. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Oh, how we thank you for the one who has come, who died on the cross and who rose to new life to be our Savior and our Lord. Cause us to know his will, each of us, Lord. As a church, cause us to know your will, Lord Jesus. Let us have the courage and the determination and the desire in our hearts to live our lives entirely and fully for you. And this we pray in the name of the living Lord, Christ himself.